Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Bald Move Prestige. We've got a great film today. We're talking about 1997's film, The Boxer. It is directed by Jim Sheridan, who also directed My Left Foot and In the Name of the Father. Written by Terry George, who also collaborated with Sheridan on In the Name of the Father. Also wrote films you might have heard of, including Hearts War and Hotel Rwanda, which I quite enjoyed. Starring Daniel Day-Lewis. This is, I think, the third collaboration between him and uh, Jim Sheridan. Uh, as boxer Danny Flynn, also starring Emily Watson as his uh, old flame Maggie, uh, Brian Cox, Ken Stott, Jared McSorley, Ian McKinney, McElhinney, I think is how you pronounce that, Sir Barristan the Bold of uh, Game of Thrones fame or infamy, uh, and featured boxing consultant Barry McGuigan who is a fairly legendary figure in in UK boxing as a boxer himself, commentator. um, And the legend has it that he and uh, DDL, Daniel Day Lewis worked for somewhere between one and three years. I I saw multiple reports to get him into boxing shape and to make the, uh, his, his boxing convincing. Um, What, what did you, have you seen this movie before? And, uh, what were regardless what did you think of this movie jim i have not seen this movie before um i i've i would say only recently been introduced to daniel day lewis um a, a few years ago i can't remember how many we covered there will be blood um that might have even been a commission podcast mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. that you know someone paid us to uh do and i kind of discovered the the magnificence that is Daniel Day-Lewis with that film. And ever since I've been going back and sort of filling in the gaps um, in Daniel Day-Lewis slow, slowly uh, over the years, this is one that I hadn't seen. Um, my, my overall impression of this movie is that it's good, but certainly not my favorite uh, Daniel Day-Lewis movie. And I think it could be better. Um, if the script were tweaked here or there, like, I, I think hmm. the, the performances are great. Don't get me wrong. Like everybody in this is, is doing their best and it, it's amazing, um, from a performance angle. I feel like some of the characters are maybe a little too thinly sketched or thinly outlined, hmm. um, to really like bring home the emotional punch that I was looking for with them. Um, specifically, Danny Flynn, who is the main character, who is, you know, played by Daniel Day-Lewis. I think it takes a lot of digging or it takes a lot of like holding up that character and looking at it and turning it to a different facet and looking at that facet and it to, to fully understand like why he's doing the things he's doing, which in some ways, like I admire the movie for because it doesn't just, you know, you think of a boxing movie as like, Oh, well, there's going to be this intense emotional drama around the fighting. You're going to understand like exactly why this character is fighting, exactly what it means to them, exactly what a win or a loss means in any given situation. Mm-hmm. I didn't really feel that in this movie. The The character was such a like. A bit of an enigma, and I wasn't quite sure how to feel about any given fight or really any given like scene, like what are his motivations? Um, so I, I don't know. I, I enjoyed watching it. And the more I think about it, I think the, the better it is. But it takes a little bit of of looking at the movie to really, I, I feel, get what it's putting down, especially if, like me, you're not familiar with what the troubles are. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, I I think that uh, there's a lot that you say there to make sense because um, I don't think you have enough information to really figure out what the hell Danny uh, is about until about halfway through the film. There's all these mysteries, yeah. you know. It's like, uh, and and I don't, I'm not the world's foremost expert on the troubles. You know, I've seen a movie or two. I've you know listened to U 2s Bloody Sunday. Um, <laughs> sure. Sure. I've I've read I've read some Tom Clancy books. I've seen a few, like I said, seen a few movies. Um, but uh, I thought that they did a really good job of like working around. Like you don't, you're not ever going to come into this movie knowing why the troubles began. Yeah. What the ultimate goal is? There's there's talk of getting POWs back. There's talk of like stopping bombings on the other side. You don't really know the stakes, but they do a really good job of showing like what it does to the neighborhood and like the what the rules are. Like yeah, in the yeah. first five minutes, I knew. Okay, um, you don't mess with prisoners' wives. Sure. There's a, if there's an Irish boy that went away for fighting the uh, the the imperialist, uh, the Brit British, then you you stay away from their wife so they stay loyal and they come back and they're they're heroes too. There's this kind of like you know little martyr complex that they've they've built up, um, and also that boys when they come home from serving a, a loyal stint in prison get a hero's welcome. But for some reason, our boy. Yeah. That the film is is choosing on doesn't get one. Why is that? Mm-hmm. You know, yet yet his his former mentor um, is r- rages at him for for doing all this IRA shit. So it's like you know, he was a he's a loyal soldier. So why isn't he? They, there's all these mis- mysteries and and uh, Daniel Day Lewis plays this guy as such a thoughtful, quiet person that you know it's it, it's it's until you start hearing about him from other people you know mm-hmm. other ira people talking about him and worrying about him and do imagine like like cuddy wise coming home from the wire you didn't know anything about the barksdale organization and you just hear people talk about his reputation and talk about what they think that he did and what and you don't really until the middle parts of the movie where him and uh Emily Watson, Maggie start actually talking about what happened and why they did things that you start to understand uh, and his mentor, you know, having a frank conversation, like, why did you do the thing that we've been knowing you did for 50 minutes in the movie? And I, I thought it started clicking together. Um, yeah. The, but I mean, uh, but also, God, sorry. I, I was going to say, like, but, but also like to your point about the boxing feeling disconnected. Yeah. Like the um, it, it felt like they were all saying something because each cat, each act is essentially capped with one. But um it was a little bit i was a little taken aback because i i was expecting this to be a really entertaining or not a really entertaining but a, a good boxing film i don't think daniel day lewis would be in a a boxing movie that wasn't in fact he trained for like a fairly long time to get into commit i was excited by that but i didn't find like i was expecting a boxing movie that was set and set in the backdrop of the troubles but what i found yeah. was a troubles movie that was set in the backdrop of a boxing film for sure uh not, not that it was bad for as a result no. of it. It just wasn't quite what, was, what I was expecting. Same here. And that might be a lot of my disappointment with the movie, because like I said, the the more I sit with this movie and think about it, the better it becomes. Um, you mentioned, you know, that not knowing the motivation of the characters. And I believe that's true. And there are lines in there that get sort of halfway to the point. But I think maybe the most important thing that, that Danny says is that stuff about like, the the silence that he's lived with for 14 years in prison right um i I don't know how deep you want to go on this right now but it feels like that is kind of the point of this entire movie um it does have 
a lot to say about the troubles. Now, it, it doesn't tell you what the troubles are uh, in any certain terms, because I didn't come out of this movie feeling like I understood the history of this. I mm-hmm. felt like I understood the the motivations and the emotions of it more so, though. Well, yeah, and I feel like as an American living in the the early t- goings of the 21st century, <laughs> I kind of in starting to intuitively think, oh, another five or 10 years of this and I can see something like this happening. And also, I don't want that. I don't want to live in a neighborhood where I'm just chilling and having coffee and the building shakes and oh, shit, someone just got blown up. How many children died today? How many you know, teachers and policemen. And I I don't want to live where like I'm uh, one side of a culture and my neighbor's another side and we go to a sporting events and we all try to kill each other when, you know, something like it just evolves that quickly. Um, And that's where the boxing fits, fits into this movie. It's, it's an example to say, Hey, this is all kind of pretty senseless at this point. You know, what What are mm-hmm. we fighting for? If we can come together and we can have this boxing match, um, mm-hmm. you know, where we're all sitting next to each other. We're all, you know, reading the names of, of Catholics and Protestants who've died in this conflict. Right. Um, we're singing and, Danny Boy. Yeah, we're as, singing as a whole stadium. Uh-huh. Right. Like uh, that. that's the purpose of the boxing in this movie, I think, is, well, at least in that fight. And then, like you said earlier, like. There are a few fights and they all want to say something different, I think, mm-hmm. which which is kind of an ambitious and interesting to, thing to do in a quote unquote boxing film. Um, but I don't know that it quite totally works here. OK, let's transition from just us talking in general about the film to some some details. Uh, but but before then, let's uh, take a quick break for some some messages. So, so if you haven't seen this film, I guess uh, I'd like to just kind of briefly describe it. It stars Daniel Day-Lewis, and as we've alluded to, uh, he was an 18-year-old boxing phenom and was moved uh, for various reasons to join the Irish Republican Army and uh, do domestic terrorism uh, slash freedom fighting in Northern Ireland. Uh, he was caught and sent sentenced to 14 years in prison. He never gave up his uh, brothers in arms, but also you get the understanding that he came to a new appreciation of like what he did and what role he plays in it. He gets out in the first five minutes of the film, uh, goes back to his old neighborhood where now people are uneasy about his presence. You know, he is not their hero, but he also wasn't there. And he's kind of like trying to forge this middle path. Like a lot of people, you know, who are now 30 years into the troubles and are tired Mm -hmm. of all the killing and the violence and and trying to find a way even old war dogs like Brian Cox plays Joe Hamill. Uh, I can only assume Mark's father mm-hmm. um, who's who's working diligently as an old time war commander who's ordered the deaths of probably dozens of people. Um, a fairly hard man who is still nevertheless trying to do what his community w- wants, which is find a way to find a peaceful sol- solution and bring some home some of their POWs. And uh, that's it. That's it. Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis tries to find that middle path through the metaphor of boxing, tries to find that middle path through the metaphor of resuming relationships uh, with his old flame. Um, This is like I said, we we talked about this being a a, a movie about the trouble set in a boxing film, but also has a fairly compelling romance um, with uh, Emily Watson and Daniel Day-Lewis. Do you want to maybe start there? Sure, um, I was impressed be- by the way the movie handled this. It's a very mature 
uh, yeah. measured romance, which you don't see on film a lot because maybe it's not as exciting as, you know, a hot and heavy caution to the wind kind of romance. Yeah, you know, I've seen a ton of boxing films about broken men who are barely able. I mean, maybe only one that 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 kind of jukes that is uh, Cinderella Man, who's more of a, a decent dude who's going through some hard times. But it's all about the struggle. You know, I'm struggling alcoholic. I'm struggling, yeah. uh, you know, can't make ends meet. This is yeah. my only chance is this and that. And I could have been a contender. This is a man who's kind of like at peace with himself, but the world that he's in is fucked up and crazy yeah. and trying to drag him down with it and, and him trying to stay on some level of even keel and making positive progress on, on that, um, which, again, I thought was something surprising. I was I thought we were going to see, you know, down the dump, screaming and yelling you know, drunken brawling Daniel Day Lewis, but you don't get any of that. This is just a decent, decent guy. Can I say I'm a little disappointed that we don't get any of that? Because I think when Daniel Day Lewis is let off, you're the wanting leash, to drink somebody's milk I, I do, milkshake. Man. Yeah. I wanted to drink every fucking opponent's milkshake out from under him <laughs> every time, but we don't get I mean, any that's of that. it's it's too bad that your first introduce introduction to DDL was when he was like, you know, going 11, you know, uh, yeah. out of scale of 10. Uh, because like thing is, is like he does exactly what he needs to do to be this guy in, in this movie to command this kind of like respect and attention. The other thing that makes the, the love story work is I was pretty amazed at the chemistry that Daniel Day Lewis and uh, uh, Emily Watson have. Yeah, um, I guess I wasn't I, I, I don't because I wasn't expecting this, this kind of romance in the middle of the film. But as I was watching, I'm like. It really captures the feeling of. You know, because there's a certain energy if you got an ex that you hate or you had bad times with. And there's a certain energy uh, you have within maybe the one that got away. But this is like this kind of peculiar where like. Maybe you guys would have been great, but you got a job offer on the East Coast and she goes to college on the West Coast and, you know, you're young and you're making different choices in life. And do you like but do you see each other 15 years later and it's like you remember all the good things and there weren't any really bad things. This is they yeah. bring a lot of that energy to the table, those kind of like quiet smiles. And but it's complicated by the fact that there is this culture of soldiers, wives and prisoner prisoners, wives. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're kind of inviolate and they have to be these chaste kind of nuns, just the way their husbands are dealing with deprivation and deprival on the inside. Um, and the very real danger that puts not just themselves in, but her father as this important political political figure in the IRA um, potentially threaten the whole the, the whole peace uh, accords. Um, I thought that was surprisingly good and, and engaging. It is. And I think like the the connecting pieces are there to, to bring it back to like the boxing part of the movie. Um, and and that's all kind of in the kid and Ike and like the, there are bridges over to that because I think like Liam um, who's Maggie's son from, I guess, uh, you know, her husband who's in prison right now. Mm-hmm. It has this very like antagonistic relationship with uh, Danny because Danny's like the guy who's coming in to replace his father and he just wants Danny to go away. And he at some point during this film, af- after the the boxing match that tries to bring everybody together and fails thanks to Harry's bombing, he burns down the gym and he does so because he wants to get Danny out of their lives. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, 
He wants his father, not Danny. And he's and worried that his mother that he, is going to run At first, he, he, he looked up to Danny a lot because Danny's, you know, working at the uh-huh. local gym and all the kids are getting excited about it. And he's kind of this heroic figure. And then he catches them kind of not quite canoodling because they're they're holding each other at reserve. But like yeah, being yeah. intimate in a way that scares and frightens him. Right. Which As I would. thought was great. Yeah, I, I did, too. Um, all that stuff works really well. Uh, I, I, I was impressed with th- that reserve that you mentioned, like that they didn't come back into this because uh, because they were clearly in love at some point. Right. I think there's mm-hmm. like over the course of the film, they make that clear that this is not a one way thing from Danny. This is like a two way street here and circumstances are what is keeping them apart now. And I think it's especially interesting uh, when Danny is confronted by Maggie and she says, look, I you promised when you came back that if I told you to leave, you'd leave. Um, mm. And now her son has asked, has essentially made it known that he wants Danny to leave and therefore she's asking him to leave. And sure. I, I was just impressed with the way the film handled that. Right. There isn't like a yeah. huge fight. There isn't like, you know, the one last fling before he leaves that then causes all sorts of other shit. It's just like, no. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. I made this promise. I'm going to take some time away here. Go fight in London. Maybe I'll come back. Maybe I won't. Who knows? That was all handled really maturely and just differently than I expected. And that kept me engaged. Yeah. Like uh, there's this point in the film where they're coming to a head because, you know, she's trying to push him away and he doesn't understand it um, or he thinks it's just because of this, you know, this, this martyr right. bullshit. And she's like, no, my son uh, is afraid that you're going to take me away from him. And Daniel Day-Lewis kind of like is like, and here's where another movie would have him be like, oh, he's just a kid. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Right. But like this guy does, he like, you know, it's like, you can see the pain and it's like, and he says, oh my God, what am I, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing? I'm breaking, potentially breaking this 12 year old's heart because of something that was 14 years ago and it might get his me killed. And what is that even going to like these, these, these smart, rational people in kind of a tough, no win situation, trying to navigate it and still be true to their, their emotions and what they want. And and be honest, I I thought it was great. Like, uh, at first, like when she brought out that dear John letter that she wrote him, and she, and then I'm he's going to give her this. I'm like, huh? And then she started reading. I'm like, oh, this is going to be terrible. But I'm like, it actually makes a lot of sense because this is a woman who had to spend the last 24 hours doing a tough thing. Tell this man, I want you to go, but I don't want you to go. But you need to go, and we both know it. Yeah, and like that's something you can just stammer out and stutter and all that stuff. Or you can just read a letter to someone's face. And it's like, by the end of that scene, I'm like, they totally won me over. That was some pretty gripping shit. Uh, yeah. And the, the ways this connects to other parts of the film, because there's this backdrop of like perpetuating anger and violence, which, which I think is like part of what is mixed up with the troubles. Um, sure. And I don't know enough about it. I like, I don't, want to go super deep into it but what i think i should read from this is that danny was a young kid who got talked into becoming part of the ira for motivations and and reasons he didn't really understand as as a young man um very much like harry's kid right harry filled this kid full of bullshit thoughts and sent him out to die like like ike says uh Mm -hmm. that's the impression i get where like it's it's passed down rage it's passed down animosity it's things that you're getting from people who maybe were more involved in this thing 
that there's no reason you should take into your life other than that's what they said. You know, that that's yeah. what they handed down to you. Why are you holding that torch for them? Um, and I get that impression with like when when Danny hears that like, oh, he's causing Liam strife here, he's like, Well, I I could be perpetuating the next kid to get into the IRA, right? Like that's exactly sure. what I don't want. So the fact that he respects that and he understands that and he chooses to leave in that moment is Mm-hmm. Yeah, both very good writing and also really connects it strongly to the other parts of the story. And he's he's also aware of that uh, relationship, like you know Joe, who's the IRA commander, uh, and Harry, who's kind of the one who is a little bit more hard nosed, less compromising, a good soldier. But now, when you're trying to make peace, he's the one that's like wants his side to get a hundred percent of what they want, maybe even a hundred and twenty percent, and that's just never going to happen. And until he gets it, the bombings will continue. Well, he'll never he'll get so. Um, yeah. And 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 Danny's smart enough to realize where he is, and this larger thing is between that with Liam. Yeah, like he could push him into the arms of a guy like Harry, or he could, with you know the help of Ike, his his trainer, to, who's trying to do this non sectarian boxing gym. It's the, 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 yeah, the 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 comparisons to like Baltimore and Cuddy, Cuddy Wise are pretty apt because it's like you're trying to save young men through boxing. You know, yeah, you got yeah. a lot of anger. You lost your dad. He got blown up. Your dad's in prison. You're like, come on in here and settle it here and then learn what it is to be, you know, real strength, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I thought that was a good. I, I do think that like the, the movie gives a lot of information about like, as you said, this is a tit for tat situation. You know, yeah. it's like I, I, I couldn't tell you who is it more for blame than the other. The situation goes back hundreds of years. Um, but like, you know, when his mentor, Ike asks him, you know, know, Danny, why did you do it? Finally at the midpoint. And he's like, well, you know why I did it? Because there's soldiers burning people's families out of their homes because they're pulling people out of cars and shooting them on the, on the, the, the corners. And I felt like somebody had to do something. And you ask like English kids, why are they volunteering to go over to Northern Ireland and work checkpoints and stuff? Cause my mom got blown up in a taxi when she was crossing the street here. And, you know, uh, there's this great character in Harry's wife. I don't or can't remember her name, but she's like this Lady Macbeth type hmm. who every single time Harry kind of has a moment of self-doubt about like, I don't know, maybe I should listen to old Joe and let his negotiations work. She's like, oh, I see we sacrificed because they've got a shrine to their son who has died. Yeah. Oh, I see we lost our firstborn so that Joe can turn traitor and sell us all out. Um versus you know joe desperately like can you stop bomb for like one week so i can maybe get some of our prisoners negotiate and no you can't um but it's like it's a great boxing metaphor it's something that i've been thinking about lately that whenever you have an entrenched situation like this like there's only two ways ahead you have to utterly defeat the other unconditional surrender or or someone has to like take the punch you know, yeah, yeah, and the strongest person is probably in the best position to take the punch. But often it's the weakest side that is the one that's forced to take the punch just because they just can't lose anymore. They take one more punch. They're going to go blind or their yeah. brain's going to stop working or, or, or whatnot. You know, they have to throw in the, the towel first. And it's kind of a metaphor of like at one point they, they show both sides of that, like the. The person getting battered, never giving up, and then the other person getting battered, not giving up, and the stronger person kind of turning away and saying, I'm not going to do this anymore. 
Uh, yeah, and it it's interesting the the character of Danny how he sort of has to get away from the things that are putting pressure on him in those directions, right? Before he can come to some clarity. Like he talks about he talks about the the time in prison more in the context of their romance between him and Maggie. Uh, but I think it's also what the, what they're not really saying here, but what they're implying is that that silence that he's experiencing is removing all of those outside influences from from him, right? And when he can then sort of just stop hearing the voices that are telling him how he should feel about the thing mm-hmm. and just come to some peace around it and understanding of it, then he can, you know, take a step back and look at a, a more clear path forward. And I, he, he comes back, uh, I guess the... I'm still not 100% sure why he comes back to this place. He says it's his home. And I get that. Like, you know, you, you feel a certain ownership of the place that you live, especially when you've given so much for it, right? Um, I, I guess I can understand that, but they don't make that very explicit in the movie. And And it's interesting, too, because... Or surprising that they don't, because the end of this movie is essentially that, right? The the end is we're we're heading home, and it's all three mm-hmm. of them in the car, right? It's it's Leah, Maggie, and Danny in the car together, going home. So there's something they're doing there. I'm just not super sure. I totally pick it up. I don't know because I think it's 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 interesting a conundrum. Like when is it when is it time to fish? When is it time to cut bait? You know when is it? Uh... Um, you know, early in the movie, they say you should get on the boat. I think they're talking about you should either um go back to uh, like London, go go back to Englishtown, yeah. or maybe even go to America. Like you know, go over to Boston. Uh, just just don't stay here because you're you're putting everybody in a bad position. But like, I don't know. Like, is that so? If that is that the smart thing to do? If all the good people in your community that are intelligent and see like, well, this is a shit show. This is no place to raise a family. This is no neighborhood to to try to live in. I'm, you know, uh, I'm trying to do like. There's this, this scene where he finds a Simtex, this plastic explosives that's stashed in his boxing gym, and he knows that like it's the IRA's property, and they're using the, the this, and he could turn it into the cops or he give it back to the IRA. But instead, he sneaks across like a mile of razor wire under like tank patrols and helicopters to throw it into the river where it can't be used against anybody. Yeah. And like the nobility of like struggling against incredible odds, like what all does it take? What does it take for peace in Ireland? You know, it's got it. Someone's got to take a punch. The people yeah. have to be tired of fighting and the, the bloodshed. And then you have to have principled people that are there to do the work and to like, you know, stand up for your fellow or stand up for the Protestants in your neighborhood and the Protestants stand up for the fellow uh, Catholics in the neighborhood um, and, and reject violence and, 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 and support the ceasefire. Mm-hmm. You got to have all that. So if, and if everybody that's smart and reasonable just fucks off in the neighborhood and there's no leadership there, then it's going to fall to the people like Harry yeah. that are, you know, uh, purists and who don't really want peace because what they really want is they really want like their life, their last 30 years back, including their dead son. Yeah. And they're never going to get it. They've lost they're so much. They have nothing it. left to lose. Yeah. It's the lost cause fallacy, except for with money, it's blood. And we know how yeah. fucking effective the law, not lost cause. I'm sorry. Um, uh, the sunk cost, cost. fallacy <laughs> only with blood instead of money. We know how effective a fallacy that is when it's just money. Right. Well, when it's blood. Holy shit. So, I thought that stuff was really good. And 
And also just the, like I said, the, the feeling of what it's, you know, we usually see worn torn countries in very sepia tones. Let's put it, you know, like it's in Africa, it's in sure. South America, it's Bogota, it's Mogadishu, it's stucco and mud huts getting blown. We don't see recognizably contemporary kind of European, like, you know, I, I can't think of like a, a Bosnia war, a Serbian war movie but this was like i said very chilling that like you know you these are people just quote-unquote like us uh with lifestyles recognizable to us with with living in modern democracies and yet so torn apart by hatred and mistrust and you know also oppression and imperialism and all those things that these savage barbaric acts are just you know a a commonplace thing Um, yeah it reminded me of children of men actually um, which is yeah. obviously very fictional, um, but this uh-huh. is very not fictional uh, in this movie. Yeah, and, and to see it played out in in these lifelike settings as opposed to this, you know, future fantasy world is jarring, yeah. certainly. Yeah. I was just thinking of like um, how tense it would be if I had to go from my, the trip to my neighbor to my job. I had to drive through a military checkpoint where guys in like armored vehicles and full military fatigues and rifles are checking me out and checking my papers. And, you know, my neighborhood has got like sandbags and, and razor wire strung through it. And uh, there's patrols at night and it's very dystopia in the middle of, you know, eighties era Ireland. Um, and the, just a feeling of that I, I thought was, was, and, and how this, how it, it just becomes part of life because obviously people aren't not living. They're still going to school or doing, but it's just like this weird thing um, where it's like you're having coffee or getting pizza at the pub and, or you're enjoying a boxing match and something explodes. And, and the other thing is like how like fragile everything is because like life goes on and most of the bombs, like, you know, the, they go off and they kill a couple people and they talk about, it. but this one, um, Outside, maybe it's because it's a, a copying kill. But the thing that happens after the second fight, well, the whole the whole neighborhood starts going up in flames, man. And like the, the that's the other crazy thing. Um, like the first responders show up to put out the fire, and they're getting firebombed. Like people throwing Molotovs yeah. at the firefighters and sh- and and shit. Like, damn, we got. I I really hope we can get a hold of our troubles why they're still lowercase t instead of uppercase because yeah don't want any part yeah. of that no it's hard no way to live as, as living as an american right now it's hard to look at this and not say oh yeah no we're we're teetering on that edge too yeah and i thought that um brian cox was a pretty human performance of this you know uh essentially a terrorist leader he's a yasser arafat of uh, the northern ireland um having these interesting nuanced conversations about like on the one hand with his lieutenants he's like you guys have to stop killing people so I can get concessions so I can end this thing. And then also his private frustrations that the British people he's negotiating with are not budging at all. in the most important thing, like give me a handful of my guys so we can get them out in prison. Like I've, you know, I've shown this good faith. We haven't bumped. They're not budging on that. Like he, I, I forget what he exactly said, but it's like, sometimes I wonder if the Brits even want peace like that duality. Um, I, I it's, yeah, like I, it's, it's, every, you know, it's like both sides. I'm sure if you sat down and talked to them as a neutral observer and had a beer with them, they could outlaw like, well, look at all these outrages. What are you supposed to do? 
What are you supposed to do? What are you supposed to do, Jim, when they just burnt my neighbor out of my their house? And then just last week, Mr. and Mrs. McGillicuddy, they drug out of the vans and shot him because they suspected him, blah, 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 blah. And then you go and talk to the British. Well, what are you supposed to do when, like, they just firebomb the police station and they, you know, strung up three police officers off the bridge? And, and remember that one time the child got killed in the bomb when it, and it goes back for 30 years? What the fuck? Again, someone's got to take the punch and not punch back, not counterpunch. And, yeah, uh, no and those are brutal it. punches to take. I mean, especially yeah. if your family is involved, like look at Harry, right? His kid yes. got killed in this struggle. Uh, it's really hard. I imagine for him to want to take that punch and he doesn't in this movie. Uh, and also how like, well, me like sometimes weird things throw gas on the fire. Like uh old police officer sees this gym trying to do something good, bring these children together and he donates equipment to them. And it polarizes people like this. Oh, this gym, like they're taking take taking uh, boxing equipment from the cops. And then even some of the children, like I'm not going to wear those things. My dad's in prison versus the kids who are, in, you know, don't have. Um, and, and even even the idea that, like, you can have a place where Catholics and Protestants can get together and solve things in a boxing ring is like not just a joke, but deeply offensive to some of the, the people in the neighborhood. Um, but then there was also these really human scenes of like, uh, you know, Ike, who is this, um, I, I don't know. He just doesn't give a fuck. He's too drunk to care about his own safety through most of this movie. Cause like every interaction he has with someone is like a, initially a fight and they either wins them over to his side and they start doing good or he gets his brains blown out. Yeah. But like that scene where that day before the kid, I forget his name, Liam, he confesses to Ike that, hey, I burnt down your gym, you know, because I and he's like, well, why did you do it? Because I was mad that Danny was going to take my mommy away. And he's like, well, fair, you know, fair enough. That's that's a but like he doesn't get call the cops because what's that going to do? You know, you're going what was what, literally what's that? What's that going to do? And then that night he gets killed and this, you know, there's this great scene, aerial shot of this guy's body left in, in the broad daylight and there's helicopter circle and there's a there's a whole partition because apparently something that happens in this fucking war is people bo- booby trap bodies so that when people go and try to show humanity, they get exploded. And this kid that doesn't care about all that, just running out, sobbing, right, trying to get this old man's face out of the mud. And, and you know, the, the person, you, you, you know, that's that's Danny in eight more years. They, this movie does a really good job at saying all this stuff without it ever really being in the script. It's just like these little scenes yeah. where you can see how these processes keep happening, how they processes can stop. Um, and I, I just like I, it's it's it was really satisfying to watch it from that standpoint, I thought. Yeah, that's why I say, like, as I say with this movie, it keeps getting better in my mind because a lot of those dots aren't explicitly connected, but they're definitely there if you want to sit and think about this movie for a bit. Uh, Let's take a quick break and we're going to come back and talk about the boxing in the film, the boxer. So yeah, I want to talk about the boxing because I like, I like boxing. I like boxing films. What do you think of the level of of boxing in this film? Uh, I, I wasn't super impressed with it. Uh, I heard that Daniel Day Lewis trained and he looks like he trained, but I, I also don't know. I have watched a few like real boxing matches and I know that uh, typically, well, what they were doing here is definitely showing the highlights of the boxing match. Mm -hmm. They were cutting massive chunks of this fight, I assume. 
uh, of all these fights. But I, I was not like super impressed, but I was also not let down. I felt like it was serviceable. It did what it did. The boxing in this movie did what the movie was asking of it. Yeah. I mean, you're just like, there's shit tier boxing in movies. And then there's Rocky. like, you know, Rocky. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where it's like, seriously, Rocky is where guys just trade haymakers at their faces with their hands yeah. down at their waist. No defense at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> no footwork at all. Then you got like, you know, reasonably competent films. And then you've got like, I think this is a a, t- a cut above average, um, but they do still a lot of like sloppy boxing, especially since I, I heard DDL was spent like three years training as a boxer. I'm like, holy shit. You know, he's going to like, this is going to be because I'm going to say something controversial. Real boxing can be compelling as hell. Sure. It can also be really boring. If you mm-hmm. got two fat, overweight heavyweights that just sit there and clinch for 15 rounds then but you know you get like a middleweight bantamweight guys that are you know got some spirit and some agility and some stamina it's it's like the sweet science right you know punch counter punch defense footwork stamina all that stuff technique um this movie relies a lot on like some of the bad boxing things where uh guys are like swinging hooks a foot over a standing head height you know it's like they're kind of little joeing it just so daniel day lewis can duck under it really easy and vice versa um the the technique is like they do like yeah he's he's throwing they're all throwing good punches they look like they can do it the training sequences i thought were really good like it they this seems yeah it seems like daniel day lewis spent a lot of time throwing combinations with the trainer (laughs) i I was more jumping rope yeah with the rope jumping than i was with the actual boxing some of the, the man is the, the boxers love jumping rope, man. It's a great way to, to, yeah. to do the cardio and the footwork, um, and breathing techniques, all that stuff. Yeah, he can he can really work jump rope. Holy shit. Some yeah, of that he yeah. turns on the speed. I was impressed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Get that thing. Get that. Get that. Uh, that rope whistling. Yeah. But the other thing is, like, I feel like the other thing that movies do wrong is the, the distance, you know, like most boxing takes place at like the extreme jab range. And like this movie, everyone stays in like just out of clinch range the whole time uh, without a lot of like positional footwork and all that. But one thing that I really enjoyed is some of the technique they use to sell the like POV, like the camera would be Daniel Day Lewis, like taking hits. And then you could see the camera get woozy and kind of spin out of frame, which would bust you out of the POV. And then you, you would go to like the side shot of Daniel Day Lewis taking those punches. Yeah. And then seamlessly kind of like you, and I, I, I'm not exactly sure like whether they were literally over his shoulder with that, like just like over his ear taking those and then they'd kind of spin to the side. But I'd never really seen something like that that kind of suggests like almost like he's losing consciousness and having an outer body experience. But it really, you know, put you put you in the ring. Um, and yeah, it feels yeah, like if you, a, if you don't have a, like a boxing video game um, where you are the POV for a little while. Um, and I've definitely seen that yeah. before, but yeah, I, I like the transitions. Yeah, it was really, I noticed that especially in like the second fight uh, and the third fight, there was a lot of really interesting POV. Um, it kind of like you as the boxer, but also as a fan um, kind of technique that I'd, I'd never really seen before. Um, I also, so First, first boxing is like, you know, Protestant versus Catholic and uh, he loses. Right. Um, So that's and then the second act is Protestant versus Catholic. uh, He wins. Um, But it's it's weird because the first fight 
he loses but unites the neighborhood you know this this yeah. this uh uh, family that used to be at the club and their Protestant kid used to be here, hasn't been in this neighborhood for years and they're welcoming them back and they read everybody's names and everyone kind of grudgingly goes along with it and sings Danny boy, but he loses that fight. The second fight he wins, but it literally destroys like half the neighborhood and the gym. It's yeah. a literal Pyrrhic victory, right? The third boxing match They've talked about this London meat market, this whole movie, and like, ah, oh, you don't want to go there. It's held in like a hotel ballroom at the Ritz Carlton with yeah. people wearing tuxes and gala balls, and they're throwing cash literally as the Frozen Appreciation. No one's cheering. In between rounds, there's polite, like, golf or tennis clapping and a clinking of glasses, uh, clink silverware. It's an unnerving yeah. scene. I, I don't. Yeah, I feel uneasy in this boxing match in a way that I don't in many others. And this is probably the most striking thing about all of the boxing in here is just the mm-hmm. atmosphere of that fight. It's bizarre. I wasn't sure what to make of what they were trying to say, because like, yeah. I, I guess the only way I can anal- analyze it is because I don't know the politics that well um, is through class. And I'm thinking, is this stating that the wealthy are kind of like at a remove seeing all this, like as in this was like literally kind of like a, a black and white situation where they were, um, or if they're seeing the staging like a Protestant versus a Catholic, is it like a blood sport to them? Is there a way that they're profiting off of the troubles that, uh, this colonialization sort of stuff. Um, Oh, that's a good take to hear. Here are two conquered people that they right. have brought back uh, um, and they're fighting for their. That's probably what it is, honestly. But I wasn't sure what they were trying to. I wasn't sure what they're trying to say. And yeah, and I guess. Here. But I mean, clearly on the on leaving apart the the weird kind of like upper scale or upper class boxing match. Um, Dan and Day Lewis clearly walking away. You know, like uh, the crowd wanted blood. They wanted this guy to knock him out. This guy could barely stand on his feet. And he's like, no, I've had enough. I don't I don't yeah. want to do this anymore. And and walking away from it. And also that galvanized him in the third act to like I because we talk about how like smart and like compassionate and rational the the two love leads are. But the very end of the movie, they're both they're kind of like, fuck it. And I think it's because they're pushed to that. It's because they realize that there's no people aren't going to just let things be, you know, like Danny goes away. They murder his mentor. Um, You know, Emily's kid could have gotten blown up. Uh, Joe is in is in danger of losing the organization to more radical and violent factionists. And I was shocked, but pleasantly surprised because I thought we were going to another fucking Braveheart ending. Uh-huh. Like as soon as they snatched him and, you know, Emily is screaming and even Liam's doesn't want this to happen and they throw him in the van, they take him to the bridge. I'm like, well, they're just going to shoot him in this story. And then they're probably going to see a montage of Joe and his organization getting wiped out and Harry. And it's going to be like the troubles continue. Movies a lot more hopeful ending than that. Like. Is, even yeah. the. the like on the street level, it's like you kind of like, no, we're not going to do this anymore either. We're going to blow the brains out of Harry and still give peace a chance and the last shot of them like saying we're going to go home 
yeah. is followed by this sweeping crane shot over like all the church steeples, like all the crosses in Northern Ireland and into heaven itself is kind of like, you know, showing how the people can overcome. Like I said, I, I was really geared up for a downer. Like, God damn, I'm watching this on a Monday. It's going to set the tone for the whole week, but it ended on a lot more hopeful, positive note than I thought. Yeah, for would. sure. Like, I think they go back and, and have a decent life. Not as not as a family, right? Because she's still a prisoner's wife. And I don't think that's that anything has changed in that equation. Right. Except for how they feel about know. each other. Like Liam doesn't hate him. Um, uh-huh. They realize they're probably not going to be together in that kind of way. But what they have is something worth having. I thought that the end, so I, I got the opposite conclusion that really? they were just going to be like all three of them and with the kind of a but blessing why would Liam of her be father. Okay with that? Cause he's still got a father in prison who I think he cares about. Right. I think them killing Ike got him on their side. I think so. Like he, he's, he's like, you know, like, oh, maybe I was mad at Danny and maybe, but maybe it's kind of like him figuring out for himself. This Ike didn't do anything to deserve to be killed. He didn't do right. anything, but tried to help people. And at worst, you could have just ignored him if you were Harry. But, you know, he gets drunk and he accuses like, you know, levels a pretty right on conclusion about, um, you know, uh, his actions and how they led to his son's death and how yeah. that's like fucked him. I, I, I don't know. I, I thought that Liam had had come around. Now, what I didn't understand, and, and maybe it's because I, I it's my understanding the troubles are more or less over, you know, still a fairly tense situation. I know there's a lot of. Um, hue and cry over um, the Brexit situation and what that would do to make uh, like a hard, another hard militarized border I mean, between yeah. Nor- Northern Ireland and the uh, troubles feel like Brexit with violence, honestly. Right. From, from right. the very, so very like, little I've read. But for, for right now, I've heard that it's so like, maybe that's more of like, cause, cause my, my first thought is like, um, there's no, her dad, there's no way that he can like, survive the political scandal of his his daughter you know cheating on a prisoner right yeah but maybe the film is kind of like well this is towards the end of the troubles and because there was also because like this other phenomenon of every single time something bad happened people would rush up and be like imagine you're going through the smoking ruins of your house because you betrayed the IRA or something or mm-hmm. something or you, or you you were suspected of it and you're just you and your wife are shell shot going through your possessions and, and half of your neighbors run up and say, you deserve this. Oh, you yeah. think you're sad. Now? Well, you just you got what you were doing like that happens so many times in a movie. And at the end, it started to happen with Emily Moore. But, you know, people calling her you mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And like for the first time, I saw other people who I appreciated throughout the film were Irish people coming back and being like, no, we've had enough of this. We've been doing this for 30 years and kind of like, maybe there is a chance that even this big swinging Dick IRA guy can overlook for true love. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know um, how hopefully the, the movie needs to be in that regard. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I tried to come out of it with something, something hopeful and that that to me felt like the most hopeful thing i could imagine in a scenario like this where tempers are so high uh and that that is so so ingrained in the people there like that's one of the things i love about this movie is how they depict the the treatment within the community of the pow's right like Mm -hmm. they they brick up their apartments um as best i can if they don't have like a family to live there during the time they brick 
maybe I'm misreading this, but they brick up their apartment so that no one can I live there sure and either. preserve it for them. Maybe. So that when they I get wasn't... out, it's like the symbol because they keep saying like the POWs are coming home. They're all going to get out soon. Uh-huh. Is that like the symbol to remind people that, hey, this apartment is reserved for this POW because they're coming home? I don't know. I thought it was more of like some kind of condemnation, like they board and brick over this apartment. <laughs> of, okay. Uh, of a suspected IRA guy because the soldiers like, like, oh, I knew what do you more. think you're doing? And he's like, it's my house. He's busted into. I don't. I didn't. Well, I didn't but quite th- there's a question myself. about like, do they recognize Danny right at the beginning? Like, some people seem to like mm. double take him, and some people like mm-hmm. who intimately know him recognize him. But like, if if somebody came rushing in with a sledgehammer and busted down the the walled in apartment. You'd question who the hell they were and what they why they were doing that if this was like something sacred. Yeah. Until you realize that oh, that's the guy who actually belongs in that place. Because it just goes to the point of a and this I need to watch it in a movie again. I think that some things would be cemented. But like early on in the movie, he's just getting out of prison. He's not getting a hero's welcome. He's going to stay at the halfway house. Um because he's, I think he's quite not quite unsure of what he's doing and why he's come back. And he's then right away he's going to London. Yeah. His old boxing mentor gets him and he at first he he plays the thing of like, I don't remember you. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, yeah, Ike, you're Ike Weir. And then that may actually makes pisses off the guys like, I can't believe you're trying to pretend you don't know me to blah, blah, blah. I but but it, it's weird because like the rest of the movie kind of talked me into the idea that uh, well, I guess what I'm saying is. Did he come back to his neighborhood because it's the only place he knew? Did he come back to the neighborhood because he wanted to do something better? Did he come and and he was kind of resisting because he knew that was going to be trouble? Like, what exactly was all of that? Because it's like a man who came back to be the kind of the hero and to lead people to a better way. But he also come into it like resisting that as well. Yeah, almost inadvertently landed in that spot and uh, yeah that, that's where yeah. i ta- start to think like oh the character is a little bit thinly outlined here because i don't fully understand his motivations mm-hmm. even though some of those pieces are there yeah um but i it's a it's a, it's a quite a powerful effective movie it is not like the wildly swinging for the fences i mean he's wildly swinging in this movie but not not dramatically and emotionally um but i'm glad i saw it. it's another one another one down and I had yeah. no idea that he did all this stuff with Jim Sheridan. Uh, Jim Sheridan himself had a, a six part, I guess, movie series on the troubles over six of the films he did um, about this and three of them starring Daniel Day Lewis um, and two others that I've not seen um, my left foot and in the name of the father. Mm-hmm. So I would like to check those off because I'm getting I'm getting I'm, I'm coming close to collecting my whole Daniel Day Lewis set. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've almost got all the performances in my pokey in my Pokédex. That's it for us. Uh, Bald Move Prestige this week and our talk about the boxer. Please come back next week as we juke wildly in a different direction with The Breakfast Club, a movie that I have not seen in its entirety. Wow. So I don't know right? how you avoid it for this long, but okay. Well, you're, you're just not you grow up not being allowed to watch rebellious teenagers in television sure. or movies. And then by the time you get to where you can, you're in your late 20s and not really giving a shit about teenagers. Uh, Yeah, so I'm actually wondering what I will get out of this movie, but it's got a fearsome reputation, a great young cast. Uh, I'm 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 sure I'll enjoy it to some to some extent. But yeah, come back. Come back next week for a very different prestige with The Breakfast Club. 
Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See you next week.